Do you find yourself dreaming of owning your own baking business? Then you're in the right place. Hey, I'm Lauren, the host here at the Sugar Coated Dreams podcast. I'll be your guide through this fun world where sugar, entrepreneurship, and passion all collide. So grab your cup of coffee or your glass of wine and sit back and hear stories of wonderful entrepreneurs in the baking industry. Hello, thank you for listening to the Sugar Coated Dreams podcast. We have a star in the house today. (laughs) I'm so thrilled to have a real, I mean, honestly, a star in the baking world, Brian Hart Hoffman. And I'm going to, you have so many accolades, Brian. I'm just going to let you introduce yourself because I will invariably forget something. (laughs) I'll just start with a big, hey there, and I'm so happy to be here today. I am, you are a celebrity in the baking world too, so thank you for having me on your podcast. Well, you're welcome. So let's start at the beginning, Brian, shall we? A good place to start. (laughs) I know when you were young, you enjoyed being in the kitchen and you liked to bake, but it wasn't your passion until a little bit later in life. Am I correct about that? That's right. You know, so many I, so many baking stories start in the kitchen as a kid. I mean, that's why there's an easy bake oven and a little <laughs> Play-Doh cake set and all that stuff. Everyone starts their food experience with toys. And then you spend time in the kitchen with your mom or your father or your grandparents or aunts and uncles. Somebody in your world wants you to get in the kitchen with them. And I had that. I mean, my mom taught me how to make biscuits and we would make banana bread and some box cakes mix it. You know, it was (laughs) generalized the word baking. Right. I liked it. I really loved eating the biscuit dough and the cake batter and all that (laughs) stuff. That part I really fell in love with. That passion did start when I was a kid. (laughs) But then I went on to work in a bakery. So here in Birmingham, Edgar's Bakery had one location. They had been open one year. And I started working in the bakery because my friends from high school were working in the bakery. They had a good schedule. We could work afternoons and like one day on the weekend, which for a teenager, having free time and money, that was like the dream. Right. And I loved eating the buttercream out of the five gallon tub in the bakery. So that part, also a big fan of. But I didn't realize that I was being surrounded by this baking world that later on would become now, I guess, a career. But before that, a passion for baking. And fast forward maybe three or four years later, uh, well, maybe even longer, whenever I was old enough to become a flight attendant, that's really when I started connecting this whole thing about baking and that I actually wanted to bake as an escape from, I guess, work. So it was like a passion for me, but it was also a project because I wanted to bake things that I had been exposed to in traveling the world. Right. So, you know, rewind that whole comment I made about biscuits and cornbread and all that stuff being from the South, because you grew up with it, you didn't appreciate it. Right. I certainly didn't. And so my flight attendant career opened the world to me literally 
And then it also opened my kitchen to what I fell in love with through baking. Yeah. So you have a macaron in Paris where you're going to have to make one when you get home. Because at the time, we didn't have La Durée in the U.S. We didn't have all these bakeries with outposts to engage with things. So I was like, I'm going to learn and fail, 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 fail. <laughs> right. And taught myself so much in the baking knowledge that I have today through experience, failure, and just pushing myself to be creative. But that is really when I fell in love with baking was when I was a flight attendant. You know, it's it's interesting. When I was in Paris years ago, I went, do you say it La Durée? I don't even know how to say it. You nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> and At I, least you I, didn't say La Durée. So you yeah, did well, it right. I did it. <laughs> I am from Kentucky, so you never know what's going to come out well, of this. This Alabama boy can mess it up too, but. <laughs> but that, it was the most beautiful dessert I'd ever had. I mean, I remember it came on this little gold, this little gold tray and it was gorgeous. It had gold flake on top of it. And this was years ago before I was into baking at all. And right. then years later when I attempted, and I say attempted to, to learn to make macarons, I'm like, this isn't at all like the one that I had when I was in Paris. <laughs> hey, but you've already done two of the most important things. You said La Durée correctly, and you said macaron and not macaroon. So very good. You see, you're already like, see, that is what happens. Thank you. Thank you. And then I also read that when you were a flight attendant, see, I do my research, Brian, <laughs> that you, you discovered that you had a love of teaching. And it's so interesting because when I was young, um, my dad was a college professor and he would say, Lauren, maybe someday you will be a teacher. And I thought, I don't want, why would you ever want to be a teacher? That's what I thought when I was young, yeah. um, because, you know, long hours, not a lot of money, kids wanting you all the time. And then as I grew up and my kids were in school, I was a teacher for a little bit. And it was the greatest thing ever. And I thought, man, I had this teacher inside of me all these years just yearning to get out. It's it's crazy when, you know, you mentioned something that has been this later in my adult life revelation of saying that word and it being something I would say about myself. Was not a good student, you know. I'm not one of those people that was like, I loved school and never wanted it to end. I would go back to high school tomorrow. I would not. And I hate it, you know, at the time, hated everything about it. Um, then through this career as a flight attendant, I had an opportunity to become an instructor for new hire flight attendants. And in my mind, I thought I love being a flight attendant. I love this industry. I love the professional standards that we had. I loved all of it. Mm -hmm. so I enjoyed sharing that with other people as an instructor, still never saying that I was a teacher. I was thinking this is a passion for me to have this career. So I'm able to talk about it because I'm already in love with it. Right. Then that career ended. I joined our family's company that I also, like you, I said, mom, I will never work. <laughs> in this business. Never say never. My brother and I both were like, mom, you've done great things with Hoffman Media. You've started this amazing company, but you're going to have to have other people because we've got <laughs> other careers. 
Well, the world had other intentions and we both joined our mom in business. So I was learning from her. She was my teacher. And then I fell in love with this business and I realized all that my mom had poured into her career. And then my fire lit the same way it did when I was a flight attendant. Yes. And then I started Bake from Scratch. And then I was easily convinced or told or led in the direction. Someone said, you should teach some classes. And I was like, here, teach classes. Well, I'm good at teaching. I was a flight attendant instructor. I'm extroverted. I'm not shy at all. Yeah, I'll try (laughs) it. And then people saying, you're such a good teacher. And I was like, a teacher? (laughs) That word just never occurred to me that that was something that I would say is a part of my professional whatever. Yeah. Accolades, you know, whatever that is that you would say, oh, I'm a, I'm a teacher. Right. But my colleague, Brooke, was doing a PR workshop for someone that was asking uh, some questions like to do a, a marketing thing around me, like in my baking uh, magazines, cookbooks and all that stuff. And Brooke sent a list of people that we had worked with over the years, just an email and said, we're looking for kind of like, not endorsements, but one sentence about Brian. What would you say about Brian to encapsulate what he is in this baking career? And 80% of the responses was he's such an effective and amazing teacher. And I was like... Am I reading this correctly? Like teacher, 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 teacher. (laughs) Oh, you're right. I did not know that was going to be in my like resume, I guess, or list of things I do, but I love it. I I think what it is, is for me, I probably still hesitate to say the word teacher, even just talking to you. I'm like, like, (laughs) the words out. But when I'm so passionate about something, it's easily poured from my heart to people. And so I think it's just, without the word teacher, it's just an extension of sharing what I love with other people. You know, it's something that you just said really resonated with me because a friend of mine told me, well, it was on a podcast that I recently did. She said something like baking is when your mind connects to your heart. And I thought, gosh, that is so well said because yeah. I'm the same way, Brian. I, I There's nothing I love more than teaching someone to decorate a cookie because you just see the light in their eyes and just the joy that it brings to them. And you know that you had a little bit of that joy coming out and it just, it's the best feeling, isn't it? I, I equate baking not just for the experience of the baker, but for the experience of the recipient. Right. That's why there's this natural smile, this like (laughs) baking made me smile. The baker is smiling because you're proud of what you did. The recipient is smiling because who would not smile when presented with baked goods? Right. Obviously, It's such a place of happiness that it just, you smile. This podcast is brought to you by The Cheerful Box. The Cheerful Box is a monthly cookie decorating subscription that brings joy and creativity right to your doorstep. Inside, you'll find a unique collection of cookie cutters, a stencil, clip art, and a step-by-step tutorial on how to decorate all of the cookies that you can make with the cookie cutters in the box. 
It's the perfect way to indulge in your passion for baking and take your skills to new heights. So after you listen to the episode, be sure and check out the cheerful box. Don't miss out on this opportunity to receive a monthly dose of baking magic delivered right to your doorstep. So visit our website and check it out today. Now let's get back to our podcast. Baking brings people together in such a wonderful way. And I have two children. One is 21. He's in college. <laughs> the, <laughs> the other one's a senior in high school. And, and so he's busy. He works. He goes to school. And so I see him, but, you know, just kind of in passing. Yeah. And um, I bought your book. This one right here. <laughs> And I was, because I love cookbooks. And as soon as I found out about these books, I'm like, Amazon, you know, click, click, click. And so I was looking through it and I found the cinnamon swirl bread recipe. And I thought, oh, I think I might like to make that. So today, Joshua, my youngest son, he said to me, mom, can you get some cereal? And I said, yeah, sure. What what kind do you want? He said cinnamon toast crunch. And I'm like, (laughs) we can make something together. And you know what he said to me? He's like, let's do that. I'm like, he wants to spend time with me. (laughs) So tomorrow we're going to make your cinnamon swirl bunt cake. You're (laughs) going to love it. Baking brings people together. Love it. Well, I'm sure I'll love it and I'll love doing it with him in the kitchen. (laughs) I'm just glad that he mentioned cereal because I have such an obsession with cereal that so much of what we do, it comes from these places of like, we talk in our team meetings, like, what are you, you know, what are you obsessed with? Well, I have a tradition on my birthday every year that I eat Apple Jacks, like as many Apple Jacks as I want. Sometimes it's a tiny box. Sometimes I'm going to eat that whole big box because <laughs> I want it. But we have since me confessing this obsession to people, we have so many recipes that use Apple Jacks as the base or the cereal milk or the poke cake or the bunt cake or the something. But it's so funny. He said cinnamon toast crunch. And then you found the bunt cake that is the flavor of it and inspired by the cereal. (laughs) And what is so interesting is I remembered, you know, I, I flipped through, it's a big book. It's impressive. And I had flipped through and looked at so many recipes, but I remembered, oh yeah, there's a recipe in there because that I found that unusual and kind of cool because yeah. everybody has cereal in their house. <laughs> you should, if you don't, you should. <laughs> That's right. It's such so a t- pleasure. I love it. <laughs> so um, I was going to ask you this question at the very end for the speed round, but I'm going to ask you now because it, it, it ties into what we've been talking about with the flight attendant. I know one of the things that you said you loved was the fact that you traveled around a lot. And then now you also teach classes where you travel the world. How heavenly is that? So first of all, what's the most fun place you ever went when you were a flight attendant? And secondly, what is your favorite baking retreat? Because that sounds like heaven. So thank you for asking that. They are heaven. And it was another aha moment. I'll, I'll, you know, you and I are, we're both talkers. I feel like we could do like eight episodes of this one podcast. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. I just have so much to say. Um, my favorite layover or funnest layover I ever had as a flight attendant. 
I'm trying to think like, because what I, what I, I'll tell you what I normally say. My favorite place to visit is the place I've never been. So for me, the world is just continually opening itself up. And yes. it's easy to think of flight attendants and Paris and the Caribbean and Mexico and Hawaii and all these places. But I also really, really loved places that are probably not on everyone's radar as the destination you're going to go to, like Boise, Idaho, or um, Reno, Nevada. I mean, there's always something to discover. They may not be like, you know, if you ask a flight attendant why, when they're getting hired, where do you want to go? They're going to tell you somewhere exotic. We're going to talk about flying the world and the globe and all over. But the world and the globe also exists here and you can be an hour from home and still have a new adventure. So my favorite place that I went as a flight attendant was the next place I'd never been before. Have you uh, ever come to Kentucky? Yes. Louisville, Lexington. You have. I was going to say, if you've never been to Kentucky, because we, I live in the most beautiful area in Versailles and we're surrounded by horse farms and bourbon distilleries. But like you said, we never go until we have someone visit and then we're like, man, we're, we live in a great place. It's a great reminder, you know, that we live in places that other people want to visit. So right. while we are accustomed to where we are. Sometimes it's a good reminder that it's not always somewhere the furthest long on the globe that you can go. But there's also amazing adventure to be had there too. So I think it's right. just the way you view where you're going and how you got there. Yes. Um, and then the aha moment was, okay, so Brian, the former flight attendant, the baker at home that was failing and learning and you know pushing myself. Then I start this magazine, Bake From Scratch, eight years ago, time is flying by, eight years ago. And then we released an issue that was a British baking issue where we had been in the UK. We worked with Ed Kimber. He was the winner of the very first season of the Great British Bake Off. I was pinching myself thinking we're working with these Great British Bake Off people. Like this is such an amazing experience. So yes. go in 10 days in the UK traveling with Ed. We went up into Lancashire. We were in London. We were out in a small town where Pump Street chocolates made. And, you know, you're just, I'm living this experience going, oh, the magazine readers are going to love it. So we create this issue, we put it into the world, and then we do a French issue and we put it in the world. And then the messages start coming in. Wait a minute. Brian used to be a flight attendant. He loves to travel. He's going all over the world. Why is he not taking us with him? Right. God, here's another like mesh of careers and passions and things. So we started these baking retreats and I thought, okay, we'll start closer to home. So we partnered with the San Francisco cooking school and we did a bread baking retreat. So San Francisco, you think of sourdough. I was like, okay, here we go. We're going to start in San Francisco. We had space for 16 people. And I thought, we're going to get eight or nine. You know, it'll be great. We'll test this out, see what people think. Nope, we got 16 people. And I will never forget telling them, A, like, I cannot believe you came. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, I will be forever grateful to you that you came. The gratitude was something I was just overwhelmed. Yeah. And while we were doing the weekend, they said, what, you know, what's coming up next? I said, well, we're going to do a France baking retreat in Paris and in Bone in Burgundy. 
and we're going to bring the French issue to life. So the magazine stories and things we had done, half of that group that day signed up for the retreat to go to France six months later. And I was like, are you, wow. Are you being serious? (laughs) And then the France retreat sold out. And so the timeline minus COVID, we canceled everything during the, like when all travel and everything was crazy, but we are now doing 14 baking retreats a year. And that's amazing. And we're not only traveling, we're bringing people here too. Okay. I was going to say, do you, do you travel on 14 baking retreats and you're in charge of the Hoffman media and the magazine? Do you ever sleep? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not very much, but my mom always said we doze, but we never close. So <laughs> I feel the same way. Her words were true. Um, but so summer in Birmingham. So we moved into our company's new headquarters a year ago. Mm-hmm. And a part of our transition into a new space was we were able to design everything for, for the way we operate today. Um, I'm chatting with you right now from a video studio that is my kitchen. I have cameras and lights and I do my weekly baking school classes from here on Monday nights with William Sonoma. But we also designed the test kitchen to function as an experience kitchen for people that come to learn here. So I teach baking retreats here in Birmingham, in addition to taking people on these experiences to Italy, to France, to the UK, to San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. We have so and the list is it goes on and on and on because the list is, we've really just gotten started. Wow. Um, It's been unbelievable. I mean, I love it because my passion for travel, my passion for baking, my passion for being with our baking community all in one is it's a dream. You have, you have the dream job. I mean, I'm just listening thinking, wow, how (laughs) much fun does he have with what he does? You know, I, I, I really do believe the saying that if you fall in love with a job you love, you'll never work another day in your life. And while I do work and while I do push myself and I, I we work very hard, our team works very hard. I have an amazing team of people that are my colleagues. I smile all the time because I also think when I'm baking something that I cannot believe this is work. <laughs> Right. I, I feel the work. same way. I feel the same way. I mean, I get to make cookies for a living. How much better does it get than that? <laughs> epic. It's epic. So tell me more about the Williams Sonoma baking classes. So there's a pandemic. You know, again, I, I'll I'll totally be honest and tell you while always extroverted, while always never shy. I've never been one to, you know, walk around and like, hey, everybody, I just want to like hold my cell phone in front of my face and talk. There are people that do that and friends of mine that do it. I'm always asking them, like, how do you do it? (laughs) Because for me, that doesn't come naturally. I've always been, I don't want to say very scripted, but when I teach, I'm following a certain curriculum that I've developed. Right. when I do like morning show segments, it's seven minutes and I feel like it's the Olympics of baking. And I'm like, okay, so we got a little, and we got to move to the next thing and like show you this beautiful thing that happened in seven minutes on good day Atlanta or wherever I'm doing like some stuff. Right. So when the pandemic started, 
this extrovert that had all of the airline reservations canceled and everything was canceled and you're going to stay home, stay home, stay home and don't see anybody dimmed my light bulb. Yes. And the world. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I, don't, I shouldn't make it about me. It was a global test to everybody's resolve because we had never experienced that in our lifetimes. Right. And so no matter what I wanted to do, I couldn't do it. So Brooke Bell, my colleague, <laughs> walked in the door one day and um, I just exploded into tears. We had a little COVID community. You know, we worked together and I, I felt like the only sanity I could have was if she and I agreed that we could see each other some so that I wasn't completely in this isolation in my professional circles. So right. she walked in the door. I explode. I'm like, I have got to like, I've got to have something other than just sitting here on a computer at home, you know, we're not doing anything outside right. of magazines, which I love doing, but I still needed that out outlet. Yeah, you needed connection. And so I decided I would do some Instagram IGTV. I think it was what it was called at the time. Yes. I was going to do IGTV and was going to do a banana bread week. I was getting in on the fun of banana bread baking. And I thought <laughs> over the years... We've created so many different iterations of banana bread. Let's pick our five favorites and it's going to be a diverse set of recipes. So traditional and then black cocoa banana bread and then blueberry. I can almost remember all the ones we did like it's yesterday. Uh huh. So I didn't know how to edit a video. So all we did was she videoed me like stirring together banana bread and I put it in the pan and held the pan up. And I said, so now this will go off to the oven, but you'll have to check out my Instagram feed to see the photo of it because I, I can't show you with the magic of TV because I don't know how to edit a video. <laughs> right. Well, people loved the videos, but they kept saying, we do want to see the finished thing. You know, part of the whole TV moment is you're like, and ta-da, here's the banana bread. So I was like, oh gosh. So I Google, you know, had a quick Google search. There was an app that was like basically for dummies like me, how to edit a video uh -huh. so I put this app on my phone. And we started putting clips together where I was like, okay, here it is out of the oven. And it really took off and took off so much, not because people were watching me bake, but because I was connecting with people in this amazing way. And they were saying, Brian, you're helping me get through this lockdown. Brian, this is therapy for me. I, every day, I just want to see your smiling face and your interaction. And I started feeling connected to the baking community and it was an outlet for me and it was therapy for me because I was being able to do this extroverted thing where I got to put myself, you know, in the kitchen and share again what I love. And right. it was a comfort that was helping me through all of those pretty lonely days. Yes. So then I get a phone call from William Sonoma's marketing director that we have worked with over the years in various projects and things. And she said, you mentioned to me in an email that you were going to consider teaching classes, that you were going to do long format videos that would be, you know, an hour or so. Uh -huh. And I said, yeah, it's something we're talking about. I said, you know, of course, trying to figure out production with people and masking. And then I can't be in a mask if I'm teaching all that stuff. So we got right. through all the concerns. And she said, well, would you consider doing it in partnership with us? And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah, let's try it. Let's see what happens. Wow. So William Sonoma was getting in on that whole, like the stores were closed. And so they were connecting with their audience through virtual classes. Mm -hmm. And 
they were getting the lineup set for coffee club and baking school and all these other things. And she let me know that we had been given the Monday night slot. And I was like, Monday. <laughs> I was like, I felt like we were going to get the prime time, like Thursday night, prime TV. Right. <laughs> TGIF. Thank goodness it's Friday. No, we got Monday night. And I was like, oh my gosh. Well, then Monday night turned into the best thing. We ended up being the number one virtual event series with William Sonoma. And wow. that signed up, Monday was a day that they weren't feeling happiness. And then they had this thing on Mondays that brought them this baking experience. And so we're still doing it. Three years later, we are still doing Monday night baking school with William Sonoma and Bake from Scratch at 7 p.m. Central. So eight on the East Coast, five o'clock on the West Coast so that most people can tune in live. And then I have this live workshop where people type in comments and ask questions. And I am still connecting with people this way. And I could not believe that even as the world reopened and I did start teaching classes in person again and all those things that I love to do, I really equally love this Monday night platform. And I'm so connected to our audience and it has been a remaining and lasting thing that started all during the pandemic. I want to do that. So how do, you, how do you sign up? That sounds like fun. <laughs> yep, we've got and, links on bakefromscratch.com and then William Sonoma has links. They have a virtual event tab on their website or something. But yeah, get in on there. We're having fun. Well, Monday nights, I think, are perfect for bakers because Monday is the least busy day, I think, for a baker. Because the busier, the closer to the weekend, the busier you become. You know, it just goes to show, and you know, I had to remind myself that was like a weird ego moment to be like, I got put on Monday. <laughs> I mean, granted, there are some mega names that are doing stuff with William Sonoma. And we got Ina Garten and Jennifer Garner. I mean, there are a lot, Stanley Tucci. Wow. So I get it. Like Brian got put on that Monday night slot, but it became the best thing because like you said, Monday was a day that people could easily pit put it in their schedules. Right. And now that we're doing it even after the reopening of society's movements and connectivity, people still find time on that Monday to be a part of it. And I am so grateful. You know, one thing, I don't know if I, I think I saw this on a um, podcast, not a podcast, but a, a video that you might've done with Lydia Menzies supper club, but you were, you were making, you were making lava cakes and, and it was that was before I was in the supper club. So I just recently watched it, the recording of it. But I loved something that you said at the end. You said that you were curious about the flavor of something that you had not yet used in the lava cake. And you said that you were going to spend the weekend trying this new flavor. And I thought that is the sign of someone who really loves baking who tries new things and takes a recipe and expands upon it. And I think that that not enough people want to do that, Brian. So many people open up the cookbook and they say, okay, it says do this. We kind of kind of feel free. But I think you do feel freer to do that when you have knowledge behind you, which you yes. can learn. You know, the thing about baking, I mean, you know this, every baker knows this. Baking does not have the same forgiveness factor that savory cooking does. If right. you're reducing down something for a pasta sauce and it's too watery, you let it you let it reduce. 
if your over reduction happened, you can add more stock or broth and you start doing that game of it's going to be okay anyway. (laughs) Baking doesn't do that. Once it's in the bowl and once it's in the pan, you can't look down and go, oh, the baking soda didn't go in and go over to the oven and stir it in and make it better. You're just done and you got to start over. Yeah. And so many people say, I'm not, I'm not, I can't bake. I'm not going to do it. Every time I try, I mess up all this stuff. I always say, yes, you can bake. You just have to want to. And the want to is different than cooking because cooking is instant success in a lot of ways. And I know I'm probably going to end up in the comments. People are going to be like, he doesn't know how to cook if he just said that. And I'm not (laughs) a great cook. I'm a really good baker. Baking does require that. But one thing that I say all the time now, and it has almost become my mantra, is bake at your own. Those words are now like they should be on my shirt right now. I want everyone to know that you can bake at your own because in the law of cakes, I cannot remember the ingredient. I mean, I'm wanting to say that I was going to add, I don't even know. Cause then I'm thinking Luxardo, like a cherry liqueur in there would be so good. So see, I my think that's what it was. I think that's what it was. But Or Grand Marnier, you know, you start like, maybe you don't like orange or maybe you don't like cherry. Don't read a recipe and go, oh, it's got that in it. I can't use it. I, I can't make it. Um, Now, I do believe you should make a recipe once, follow the recipe, get to know how the structure of something works. Then you can start baking it your own. And that's where the fun starts. That's where if you don't like, you know, like, let's get into the great debate of banana nut bread. People that (laughs) actually like pecans or walnuts in their banana bread. I don't know who y'all are, but you're not me. I like my banana bread with spices, with cream cheese. I don't mind all that stuff. I do not like banana nut bread. I said what I said, but (laughs) that's where people get to have fun. And you might do a banana bread and say, well, I want to put chocolate chips in it because you want chocolate and banana that day. Go for it. Do it, do it, do it. That's when you're baking it your own. Then you start to love baking. Then you start to see the options and it's not so finite that you don't get freedom. Now you can't go add double the liquid and reduce the flour and you know, people saying I'm going to be healthy and reduce the sugar out of this. You're messing no. with chemical reactions at that point. It's not just about your diet. You're actually going to mess up the cake if you don't put the sugar in it. It was so interesting. When I was preparing to be on the Food Network, they said you have to come up with your own recipes. And I thought, I'm not a recipe developer. I don't know how to do that. So I bought a book on the science of baking and I, it was so fascinating about well, the different types of butter and the different percentages of fat and water and oh my gosh so much information and I loved every second of it and once I learned that I was able to create my own recipes it's the the building block you know I mean it's like learning a foreign language you've got to learn to say abc one two three before you can start speaking fluently baking is the same thing you've got to learn a few of the fundamentals and then your brain starts opening up like oh I get it right and yeah, because butter, butter isn't butter. It, it, butter is so different, right? And I know in your recipes, you always use um, European butter, correct? We use European butter because it fought, you know, something about in order for it to be considered a European style butter, you have to have 82% butter fat. And so your results are so much more consistent because if you're buying just whatever butter you see that day, and it's a non-European style, 
you don't know the water content versus the fat content and and how it's going to affect the outcome. A lot of times it doesn't matter, but we do have recipes that we have tested over and over and over and over and we'll go, oh, we should switch the butter. That's the problem. And then one change makes everything different because yes. you're going to a certain threshold. You know, it's just, but that's why we test everything so much so that by the time we publish a recipe, we're giving someone something that we've made numerous times. But that's yes. why we tell people we use European style butter, kosher salt. You know, it's like all the things that we think make a difference. Um, but you also have to remember, we don't, you know, Baker, I don't know your kitchen. You don't know my kitchen. Right. I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. It could be humid as crazy today. And then you live somewhere that's bone dry. You do have to start learning your kitchen, your oven, your environment, because nobody can do that for you. You know, your oven may have a hot spot. Your oven may bake faster than somebody else's. I don't know what happens in the electronics world. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yes. like the age old question. I'm always asking, like, are you, you're not using convection, are you? You know, it's like I just try to ask some questions that help guide. Right. But you got to get to know your own kitchen, your own ingredients and your own um, equipment. And then your outcome is so much better. Oh, and weigh everything. Use a scale. Yes. Use a scale. That is the other thing we could do is have an entire workshop where you have 20 people scoop what they think is one cup of flour. And then they're like, I'm perfect at this. This is what I've done my whole life. And then you tell them to come up there, measure it into a bowl that's on a scale, and you would have 20 different numbers. Yes. So that's why we give every recipe with a weight in grand weight. A, that's the international language of baking. So everyone from around the world can weigh everything to that amount and know that they're going to have more likely success. Right. And it improves your performance in the kitchen and you'll start seeing recipes work better. Yes. And scales are cheap. Go to Walmart and get one for about $20. Not it's not an investment that would break the bank if you're really wanting to bake and have better results all the time in the kitchen. Yes. So do you, what are your next aspirations, Brian? I'm trying to think of something else that you could do and I can't think of it. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I'd love my own line of bakeware. Like let's Ooh. just put it out into the world. Copper. Co oh Yeah. You know, I've got copper everywhere. I'm looking at like a stack over there. I thought, oh, I should have more behind me for this uh, for this podcast. I, I, I believe in always kicking the walls out. That's my mentality. It's like, okay, we're in this box right now. Let's kick one out and see what happens. Not everything is going to work. That's one thing my mom taught me when I was learning this business with her and my brother. We, you try things, but if you don't try, you're never going to know. And failure is acceptable because you got to know sometimes where the threshold is. Yes. Um, we crawl before we walk. We walk before we run. We do things here very conservatively. We test. But I would love to create a line of at least tools or something that's not in the world based off of my own frustrations. Because we know when you go to your pantry or your equipment and you're like, oh, I've got to do this today. And this one thing would be so much better if. And I want to figure out what that if is. Yes. I'm left-handed. So I do want to have some lefty tools in the world because I'm always grabbing stuff that's angled the wrong way. And I'm like, oh, my left hand can't use that thing. So right. I know there's some stuff out there. This brain's going to have to kick out somewhere. Oh, and I mean, a TV show wouldn't hurt either. Well, first of all, I think William Sonoma could 
produced that bakeware for you. So there you go. The president of the Williams Sonoma is probably listening to the podcast today. <laughs> and you you would be great. You've got a wonderful personality and you have all the, the skills that you've learned from doing all these things. So Food Network, give him his own show. <laughs> from your lips to God's ears. I like it. That's I like right. It. I have enjoyed talking to you. And if you ever need a taste tester, you know, Brian, I'm in Kentucky. I'm not that far away. I'm just me. Come to Birmingham. We would have so much fun. <laughs> we would have fun. We need to do a cookie decorating class. Yes, we do. I'm fun. You're fun. Everybody would have fun. <laughs> I like it. Let's do it. Let's get it on the books. <laughs> but I do. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me because I know you are very busy. And now I really know you're very busy. And I've just heard, like I said before we were recording, I've heard so many wonderful, nice things about you. And I wanted to come to the event that you had in Birmingham, but it was right when my baby was leaving for college. And you so had, you had it to be was busy. Yes, I did have to be there. <laughs> but um, anything else, any words of advice you would like to give to any budding bakers out there? You know, what I always say, and I think I've touched on it even just during our chat, is I'm a home baker. I'm a self-taught home baker. I've taken workshops and classes all over the world, however I can. It may be a four-hour class or a three-day or an eight-day, but if you love something enough, go for it. Stay in it as long as it makes you smile and makes you enjoy it. And I mean, you love baking and I see your face right now as we're chatting and we smile when we talk about these things. And so you're when I'm baking, you're learning from someone that's in your exact same shoes. I am not bringing culinary professional techniques that you can't replicate at home. I'm using home equipment, home everything. And I just like people to not, you know, you've been so complimentary of me, but one thing I want people to know is that I feel very fortunate to have had any of these things occur that I have a magazine and cookbooks and classes and all these things, but it's all because I'm a home baker that loves what I'm doing. It's not right. other things. And I just pour myself into it and you and they, and everybody can too. Cause I see that in your work too. Yes. So it's not a me thing. It's a we thing. We're a global baking community and we have to have each other. Yes. That, those are great words. Those, I don't even want to end this podcast episode, but that's probably a good way to end because that is great advice. We have each other and we are a wonderful community. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. I just have enjoyed talking to you so very, very much. And I look forward to the time that we can actually meet in person. I can't wait to. And i Really appreciate you having me on your podcast. I've loved every minute of it. And I'm going to have to have you on my podcast next. Yes. So we're breaking like from one to the other and back and forth. And this is just the start of our relationship. That sounds great, Brian. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank okay. you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe to the Sugar Coated Dreams podcast on your favorite podcast app. Also, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast. That way, all your friends will be able to find it too. A new episode will be released every Thursday. Until then, remember to keep dreaming big and never underestimate the power of a little sugar and a lot of passion. I'm Lauren, the Cheerful Baker. 
and your host here at the Sugar Coated Dreams Podcast.